0: Hey, I'm Dave, and thanks so much for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you are here, and we would love to get connected to you and your family. So one easy way to do that is that you can text the word "River Connect" to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some of our upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give today to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website, Click on the Give tab right at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So you've probably heard me talk about Uh, every different sport here on Tuesday night, right? If you've been around for a while, you know uh, I'm a sports guy, right? I've talked about, you know, loving different baseball teams. You know, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I know that that's going to give some groans from the Lions people in the room, right? Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of basketball. I, I, I love keeping up with sports. That's just something that I have grown up doing with my family. My dad really got me into sports, I played sports growing up, all that different stuff. I've, I've always been a big sports fan, but there's one sport that you've probably never heard me talk about, and there's one sport that I don't ever really keep track of, and truthfully, I don't have a desire to, and for me, that's soccer. Right? That, that is soccer. I do not get soccer. Truthfully, even watching soccer, it tires me out, right? Just watching people run from one side of the field to the other. They chase one ball and it's like, all right, I gotta run over here to the ball. And then it's like, and it got kicked over there. All right, run over here. You know, like, at least in basketball, right? There, it's quick. It's back and forth. Everyone maybe has a chance to touch the ball. There's passing around. And in soccer, it's like, man, I feel like if I was playing soccer, I could play and never even get close to the ball. And maybe that's just because of my speed. I'm not a runner, but for me, that was, that, that's always been a thing. And I'll be honest, I've had, I have a chip on my shoulder against soccer. Okay. And it all stems back from when I was a kid. And when I was like, I want to say I was in kindergarten or first grade. All my buddies, they were playing soccer. And, you know, I didn't want to be the one kid who was left out. And so I decided, hey, mom and dad, I want to sign up to play soccer. And they looked at me and they're like, Justin, like, you know how much running involved, is involved in that? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you sure, <laughs> right? Like, you sure you want to do that? And I was like, yes, yes. I, I really want to be on the soccer team to so this out. And I had this ingenious plan. I was like, you guys may think I might have to run a lot but I have a plan. You see, what I am gonna do is, I am gonna be the goalie, right? That, that's what I wanna do, I'm like, I'm gonna be the goalie, that's gonna be my mission, I'm gonna make sure that that's what I do, and uh, and I'm just gonna let the coach know that from day one. Here's the problem, my, my parents were very like adamant, they're like, hey, you need to make sure this is what you want, want To do because you know the rule in our house. And growing up in our house, here was the rule. If you choose to play sports and you sign up for a sport, you cannot quit, right? You had to go through the whole year and you got to play that sport. You cannot sign up next year, but you can't quit. That is one thing we don't do. We are not quitters. That's what my, my parents instilled in me. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to want to quit because I'm not really going to have to do that much. right? I'm just going to be the goalie. It's not going to be that big a deal. So I remember getting to the first practice and we get there, we're doing some drills. And then, you know, comes the part of like, all right, well, where's everyone to play? And I go up to the coach and I'm like, coach, I'm just going to let you know, I'm not really built for all that other soccer stuff. I'm built as a goalie, right? That God intended me to be a goalie, I had a goalie shaped body to block the net. That's what I am in charge of. And he goes, you know, son, I got a hard, hard thing to break it to you. In this, this league, we don't have goalies. And I, my chest just sunk, right? And it was like, because in that league, you know, it's all six to seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. And they're like, they're never going to sort if there's a goalie. We want to try and give them some action. So neither team is going to have a goalie. That's just how the league works. And I remember being like, oh, no, right? Like, um, my hopes and dreams were crushed. I realized that my plan was foiled so easily. And I remember going home to my parents and I'm like, hey, mom and dad, looks like I'm done with soccer. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. I'm like, come on, guys. It's been one practice, right? It's not that big a big deal. And besides, I was lied to. I was tricked. I was supposed to be the goalie and there's no goalies. What are we doing? Come on. And they're like, no, 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 you got to do it. But it's interesting, like I had that idea that I was gonna be the goalie and the reason why I wanted to be the goalie was because, right, you don't move that much. am not running, chasing the ball all over. I'm standing in front of the net and I don't really have much to do other than when the goals start coming, right? When the ball starts coming, I have to block a goal. And really, that's the only time I need to get motivated. But for the most part, I can just kind of sit and wait until the ball comes near. And then I need to get motivated to block and be ready to keep those things out. It's interesting. The way that I thought, right, when I was six and seven about how I was going to play soccer is a lot of the ways that we treat our spiritual lives. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's not like you all want to be goalies in your spiritual life. Well, maybe kind of. Here's what I mean. A lot of times, the way we treat our spiritual life is, all right, I'm only going to put effort in when bad things start coming my way. Right? I want to be a spiritual goalie. I want to sit, and I want to wait and I'm going to hang out. I don't really want to be keep moving. I don't want to have to run and chase after something. I just kind of want to wait until it comes for me. And when the bad things start coming my way, then I need to get involved. Then I need to start getting uh, engaged. That's the time when I need to be watching out and I need to keep those things away. I need to start blocking. I need to start moving. I need to start keeping those bad things away. But that is not how our spiritual lives were intended to be that's not how god designed our spiritual lives right he didn't design us to be spiritual goalkeepers who only got motivated to follow god when there was a particular difficult event or when sin was coming our way and when temptation was coming our way our spiritual lives were designed to be movement based and the very idea of the gospel is movement, It's moving. And tonight, we're going to take a look at what Paul has to say to a church who had gotten comfortable being spiritual goalkeepers and how he encourages them to break that habit. But before we do, let's take a moment and pray together. Lord, thank you for worship. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the ability to be here this evening and to worship you, the God of the universe, together. Lord, tonight as we dive into your word and as we take a look into scripture and as we read what you have for us, Lord, I pray that only truth would come or that we wouldn't be resistant, we wouldn't be obstinate, we wouldn't try and judge someone else across from us. But that we would look inwardly. We would see how your word is designed to cut through our hearts. And that you would challenge us this evening. In your precious name, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians is written to a church. It's written to a group of people. There was this group of believers who had gotten together and they were Uh, seeking God. And they were all in this one city and that city's name was Colossae. And so they were Colossians. And so the book was written to the Colossians. It was a letter. It was a letter from a guy named Paul. And Paul's whole thing was, Jesus is who I'm gonna be, right? I am gonna follow this guy named Jesus and I am gonna do that at whatever cost to me. And he's actually writing this letter to the Colossians from prison. A lot of scholars think he was in prison, and he was in prison with this guy named Timothy, who he was mentoring and discipling, who he calls his brother. And they were writing this letter to the Colossians because the Colossians had received the gospel. They had received the truth about who Jesus was, and they had accepted it. And they had gotten excited about it, and they had begun to live as believers. But the thing was, there were some false teachers, some some people who saw an opportunity for authority and they, and they tried to take it. And so they stepped in and they started preaching lies. And the lies that they started to preach revolved around the identity of the Colossians. Now, identity is a big thing in our culture. It's a big thing. Uh, it's a hot button issue. And for them, it was very similar. And these false teachers were trying to t- teach them that their walk with Christ, their belief in Jesus was not their identity. That Their identity could lie in a bunch of different things. You know, and that really what church was meant to be was just kind of something that you do occasionally, right? That your spiritual life should not be your career, but it should be your side hustle, right? That your spiritual life was Not designed to be everything for you. It was not designed to be your identity. But what was designed to be your identity was a million other things. And you should just add church as the cherry on top. You should add Jesus as the cherry on top. And Paul looks and he goes, what is going on? In no way is that how it's supposed to be. In fact, it's supposed to be the exact opposite. And so he writes this letter to the Colossians to try and help them understand what their identity should be and how they should live based on their identity in Christ. And so we're going to take a look at this first chapter, how he decides to start the book of Colossians off. And so we're going to be in Colossians 1, and we're going to start in chapter 3. What chapter, or what, sorry, we're going to start in chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Verse 1 and 2 are Paul introducing himself, right? He's writing a letter, and so he's giving the two. The Colossians from Paul and Timothy, right? That's what he's saying. And so in verse three is where he picks up and he starts talking about exactly what he has to say and why he's writing. It says this. We always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. And so he looks and he says, I am so thankful, right? I am praying and praising God that you have the gospel, that you believe in the gospel. He says, I'm so thankful that you have taken the first step in your journey with Christ. He says, I am so thankful that these are the things that you're, that you believe that you sit and you say, Yes, I believe in this guy named Jesus and really what he he 's talking about is he 's saying i 'm so glad that you made it your identity i 'm so glad that you came and you said This is the guy that you follow, and the reason why that 's important is because that determines how they live or how their life should follow. Turn me to Romans chapter five. In the book of Romans, Paul, the same guy who's writing Colossians, he's writing to this group in Rome and he's teaching them the basic fundamentals, the how-to of following Jesus. And so he lays out what the gospel is. And so tonight, here's what I wanna start. I wanna start with where this first step is right? If we're talking about moving, not just waiting for the world to come at us, so we have to block, we're talking about moving and getting around, right? We need to understand where our first step is. And Paul outlines right here, belief of the gospel is the starting point. This is a race. This is a starting line. This is a walk. This is the beginning of the trail, right? These are the ways in which you live. And he says, there are two ways of walking, and you have to walk one or the other. Follow with me in Romans 5, verse 18 and 19 says this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience... The many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And so you may be reading this verse and you say, Justin, that doesn't really make sense. I thought you were talking about this thing about the gospel. What does this have to do with the gospel? Well, truthfully, he's laying out the exact picture of the gospel. You see, you may have heard of this guy named Adam, right? Adam of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first people. They were the first people created, and they were created in God's image. And they walked with God in the garden. They were together with him, and they had life. And when I say life, I don't just mean breathing. I mean they were with God. That's truthfully what life is. It's being with and together with God. But as they walked with God, God gave them a rule. He said, hey, You got this whole place. You can do whatever you want. But here's what I need you not to do. Don't eat from that tree. And what did they do? Ate from the tree, right? They they were hanging out around it. They were hanging out. And then Eve, she was tempted by Satan. And she offered some fruit to Adam. And then Adam ate, right? And that is the man who he's talking about. Right As one trespass, that moment was when sin and disobedience came into the world. From that moment on, there was evil because a choice had been made to disobey God, to go against what God had told them to do. And that is what sin is. We as humans, we love to try and classify sin because we want to make ourselves feel like good people or at least better than other people. But truthfully, God says there is very little distinction. There is really no distinction. Sin is disobedience. I've told you, I've given you specific ways to live. I've told you what is God-like and not God-like. And when you don't do that, when you disobey, that's sin. And he, and Earlier in Romans, it talks about what the wages of sin is, what sin earns. Sin earns death. And we see that if you jump all the way back to Genesis 2, which you don't need to. uh, But in Genesis, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, they were kicked out of the garden, right? Now they can't walk with God. There is this spiritual death. They can't be together with God because God is holy. And now they are disobedient sinners. But also there is physical death people begin to age, people begin to die. And actually you see that physical death immediately because they realize, hey, we're naked and we're now ashamed. And what God does is he grabs some animals, kills them and gives them garments out of the skin of the animals. That's the first time that they've seen death. Death creeps onto the scene. It is the punishment for sin. And so what happens is everyone from that moment on, is living in this fallen, sinful world. The one trespass, the one sin, the one act of disobedience led to disobedience for all of humanity, right? You don't have to teach a kid to lie. They just do it. You don't have to teach a kid to sneak something and steal it. They just do it. That's because from that moment on, that one trespass ingrained disobedience in our DNA. It's who we are. We are sinful, disobedient people. And what lies in wait for us is death, is punishment, both a physical death and a spiritual death. But, but there is one man who came. Right, and so it continues. The story is not over. It says, "So one act of righteousness leads to justification, for and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience there were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the, the many will be made righteous." So who's this one other man? He said, "There's this archetype. There's this one guy who he made all of humanity sinners, but another guy has come onto the scene." And he wasn't just any old man. He was God and man. If you haven't caught on, that's Jesus Christ. He's the one that we're singing about. He's the one that we're here for. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. In fact... There's actually some incredible parallels to Jesus' life and Adam's life. Because if you look at Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, who were they tempted by? Satan, the serpent, came and tempted them. When Jesus went out into the wilderness and he fasted, who was he tempted by? Satan. Satan came and tempted him. And instead of falling to sin like Adam did... Jesus met that temptation with resistance, met it with the word of God and he resisted and he came out of the other side perfect, completely clean, not a trespass, not a disobedient disobedient bone in his body. It was complete obedience. And in fact, Jesus Christ was so obedient, he was so dedicated to obeying God that he obeyed God even to the point of death on the cross. Right, He took the disobedient life that Adam lived and the penalty that Adam incurred for all of humankind and he went to the cross as an obedient sacrifice. Right, He took the wages of sin upon himself and he went to the cross being completely blameless, being completely obedient, incurring no penalty on himself and took our penalty upon him. And he went to the cross and he died. And then he rose three days later showing that it was paid. That that debt was paid. And so what Paul is expounding upon here in Romans, he says there are two archetypes that you can live. There's two men you can follow. There's this man of disobedience who lives contrary to God. And anyone who is not Following God is living a disobedient life. Because even the good things, quote unquote, good things that they do are really geared towards themselves. Making themselves feel better, making themselves feel like they're better people, uh, they're good people, right? It's all about you. But there's this other man that you can live in his direction in his identity. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the obedient man. And when you choose to live obedient lives, you follow him and you grow more and more and more. And so the gospel is this opportunity to leave the disobedient and to become obedient through Jesus Christ. And so we see this first step that Paul is talking about in Colossians is the gospel. It is salvation. The first step in obedience comes from salvation in Jesus Christ, right? It's confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that he died and rose again for our sins and believing and needing to repent of those sins. Saying, you know what, I'm gonna turn away from disobedience and I'm going to live in obedience. That obedience to God and his word will become my identity. And so often, we like to stop there. And I'd encourage you, if you've never done that, if you've never taken that first step in the gospel. Tonight is the opportunity. I will sit here till who knows what time and answer questions and talk to you about what the gospel means because the gospel is the key. Obedience to God is the key. That is why we're here. But the thing is, obedience to God doesn't just stop at salvation. All right, I confess those things. You know, I believe those things in my heart and I'm good. Let's get on my lawn chair and hang out. Right, I'll wait until something bad happens and then I'll get up, you know, maybe I'll get to church or maybe I'll start reading my Bible because I need to. And then once that time has passed, I'll hang out. No, the gospel is a great first step. It is the first step, but it is just that, a first step, a first step. It's not the only step. It is the first step. And Paul, after he he encourages the Colossian church by saying, I'm so glad you took that first step. He says, let's talk about the second. Let's talk about the third. Let's talk about the fourth. Let's talk about continuing to move. Let's talk about continuing to make obedience your identity. And he continues, turn back to Colossians. Colossians 1, in verse 6, He continues this very idea of the gospel. He says, I'm so glad you took that first step. I'm so glad that that's who you are now, but let's keep moving. Verse six, which has come to you as indeed it is in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. It also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved Fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us the love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The reason why I was emphasizing certain words there is because you can see there's this aspect of movement, right? Listen to those words. Things like bearing fruit, increasing. A faithful minister who says it's growing among, have not ceased to pray, be filled with the knowledge of his will, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. Right? It is this thing that he's using these words that are emphasizing. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's gotta continue. It's gotta keep going. The gospel is movement, and that movement is towards greater and greater and greater and deeper and deeper and deeper obedience right? That's who Christ is. He's obedient. He was obedient to the point of death. And if that's going to be our identity, we need to move closer and closer to being obedient. You see, the gospel is a life of movement towards Christ. And that movement is greater and greater obedience. You see, the gospel came to you Because of the obedience of others, right? Someone shared the gospel with you. Someone got you here. Or for the Colossians, it was Epiphras, or these other people who shared the gospel with them and got them here. They were obedient. They were obedient in the way they were living. They were obedient in the way they were sharing the gospel. Christ was obedient in providing the gospel through his death and resurrection. Obedience brought it to you. And through your obedience, you took a step in salvation Why did you stop? If that's your identity, why did you stop doing what you were called to do? Keep going. And he sees the gospel them. he's praying, he's excited about it. He says, I'm seeing it right there. I'm seeing glimpses of it. I'm hearing about it from these people, but they're telling me you just kind of are hanging out now. He says, you stopped and you gotta keep going. And his desire for them is ultimately to see a transformation happen. And that transformation doesn't just happen because God just miraculously does it. Yes, he miraculously does it, but he does it through your obedience. You wanna see a change in your spiritual life? You wanna see a change in your recovery journey? Start obeying Christ. That is the transformation that happens. And he says, as you pursue obedience, it should be this step. It should be this cycle. It should be this thing that continues to happen. Right? He uses things like where he says he's asking for them to be filled with knowledge of his will, talking about Christ's will and all spiritual wisdom. And understanding. He says, all right, that obedience should lead you to greater knowledge and understanding as you dive into God's word, and as you're praying, and as you surround yourself with godly individuals. And then what does he say next? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He says, you're learning all these things because of your obedience, and then these things will help you be obedient. And then you know what that obedience does? It helps you to understand more and grow deeper in wisdom. And then you know what that deeper wisdom helps you do? It helps you be obedient. And you grow deeper and deeper and deeper in this understanding of Christ and this love for the Lord. And he says, it starts by taking a step. You see, a lot of times we think about our spiritual walk or a recovery journey and we think a step is actually like a bus trip, right? We're like, all right, I started this journey with Jesus and now what Jesus wants me to do is lead a Bible study, right? I'm going to go lead a Bible study. I need to know everything it says in scripture and I need to be in charge of all these people. No, that's not what he's asking you to do. He wants you to start to understand what the Bible says. Or it's like, oh, you know, I started my recovery journey. I'm like three days clean. Uh, all my temptations uh, should be gone. I shouldn't have any cravings. I shouldn't have any withdrawals. You know, I should just be completely good. I'm done. I'm clean. It's like, no, there's there's steps. There's processes. There's things that we work through. It's taking one step and one step and one step. I know it's it's the end of August, but... As I wrote this sermon and thought through exactly what Paul's saying, there was a Christmas song or a Christmas movie that came to my mind. I know there's groaning. Trust me, I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, uh, the day after Halloween putting up their Christmas decorations. But it just kept coming to my mind. And it's from a movie called Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It's a really old movie. And uh, there is this section of the movie where Chris Kringle he's he's becoming Santa Claus right? He's on this like journey adventure basically to become Santa Claus and he meets this evil guy his name's the Winter Warlock. That's such a crazy scary name. Like if I was a kid growing up listening I'd be like that's terrifying. I'm never gone out in the snow. But he was supposed to be <coughs> he was this evil guy who was keeping Chris uh, kringle from getting to deliver toys and so they go on this journey to try and help him become good or defeat him and they ended up finding out that he was just this angry guy and he just needed some help and he turns into this good guy but he gets overwhelmed he's like how how do i be good i've been bad for so long how do i like live differently than what i was living before And like all Christmas movies, it breaks out into song, right? And they start teaching them how to do it. And I won't sing it for you, but I am going to read the lyrics because that song gets stuck in my head so badly. This whole week I've been singing it. uh, And, you know, most people have never even heard it. But for my family, it's just like in our DNA, I guess. I don't know. But I went back and I read the lyrics and I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about or what Paul is talking about in scripture. It says this, put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking across the floor. Put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. If I want to change the reflection I see in the mirror each morn, you mean that it's just my election to vote for a chance to be reborn. Put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking across the floor. Put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. Man, it's like, it's so weird. It's almost exactly what Paul is saying in Colossians. It's so incredibly deep for like a a Christmas movie, right? But that's the truth. If you want to start living in obedience, put one foot in front of the other. Take one step, right? If you're struggling to read your Bible, don't be like, hey, I'm gonna read my Bible three times a day, every single day. It's a noble desire, but that's a leap. Take one step. Say, I'm gonna read my Bible one time this week. And then next week, hey, I'm gonna read my Bible twice this week. Maybe a couple weeks after that. Hey, I'm gonna read my Bible three times this week. And do it, right? Don't just say you're going to do it, but do it. Or, you know what? I'm starting to see I'm not really consistent on Tuesday nights or Sunday mornings. I'm not really connected. All right, I'm going to make it my job to be there every week. Or, you know, I've never been to a table. Maybe I'll start going to a table and see what it's like. I don't pray really at all. Maybe I'll start praying before meals. Right. Take one step, one step in obedience. Put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be living in obedience. But that's hard because it's uncomfortable. It, It can be difficult sometimes because we get comfortable where we're at. And you see, this message is equally pointed to those of you who are new believers as it is believers who have been believers for 20 plus years. Because our natural comfort is to get comfortable, right? That's what we like to do. And so those of us who have been believers for a long time, we've been sitting in the exact same spot for 10 of those 20 years. We started doing something and we stopped being obedient. We just started doing the motions. And so the question that we all have to ask ourselves is how long have I been here how long have i been at this spot spiritually we have to begin to live in obedience and so the question that i hear a lot is well justin what is what is god telling me how do i know what to obey and the easy answer is god's word right god's word speaks prayer through prayer you begin to understand but a lot of times i I'll say this. Most of the time, God is speaking to you already. But the thing is, we're just ignoring him. Where you look at me and we say, man, I really want to know what to do with my kids, or I really want to know what to do with my spouse, or I really want to know how, like, what job I'm supposed to go in, or I don't really know what my finances should look like. And, you know, and Justin keeps talking about this whole read the Bible thing, or Justin really keeps talking about the importance of, you know, being in community, or he talks about the gospel, you know, and I just feel like I keep hearing that over and over and over again, but I want answers about this stuff. God is giving you answers. He's telling you what to obey. You just are ignoring him. And then you're wondering why you don't hear. He's telling you, be in scripture. You want to find answers about these things? You know where it is? Scripture. You want to find answers about all these things? Start praying. And not just praying, asking, praying, and just talking to God. You want to start seeing a transformation in your life and you're asking why you're struggling over and over and over again? Maybe it's because you're not consistent in church at all. You don't have someone speaking into your life regularly about scripture. If you want God to speak, stop ignoring him when he does. Be obedient. Take the step. Even if you don't like it. A lot of times it's better. All the time it's better. But Paul doesn't stop here. He, he talks about the why. Why we're doing this. Why, why obedience? And, and for us as believers, we should look and say, well, I should choose obedience regardless because my identity is in Christ. But a lot of times we're frail and fragile creatures and we need to understand why that's what's best for us. And Paul through the word of the Holy Spirit, uh, or the word of the Holy Spirit through Paul, he, he speaks this to us. And he, 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 it kind of culminates in verse 11 of Colossians. It says this Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Man, those are some things that I need, right? I need to be strengthened, I need endurance. Not just for running. I need patience. I need joy. Those are all things that I need. Both in the good days and in the bad days, those are the things that I'm looking for. And you know what? Want to know why most of the time I'm looking for them? Because I'm not living in obedience. The times where I feel the weakest, when I feel the most tired, when I feel the least patient, When I have the least joy is the times when I am disobeying God or I'm ignoring what he has to say to me. If you want to experience these things, it takes steps towards obedience. He begins to give these things. You begin to experience these things. You begin to see these things in your life. As you move in obedience, your faith is strengthened as you seek Christ. You begin to know him deeper and deeper. That's what he talked about, that understanding, right? You begin to understand. And that understanding gives you peace. It strengthens you. You start to wonder why you're standing still spiritually, why you feel like you don't have any answers or you feel stale. It's because you're not moving in obedience. This is where I want to end. Psalm 128, turn with me if you would. Psalm one twenty eight, David he's writing about how good it is to live in obedience, how good it is to do the things that God calls us to do. And he says this: blessed in starting in verse one, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of your hands, of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Man, that last phrase just hits me in the gut, right? And it shall be well with you. Man, that's what I want. That's what I want in my marriage. My wife and I have kids. That's what I want with my kids. That's what I want with my family members, my in-laws, my coworkers. That's what I want. I want it to be well. I want it to be well with me. And what David says is that comes from taking steps in the gospel. That comes from taking steps in obedience. That comes from living as God calls you to every single day. Not just when you're a new believer. Not just when you've been a believer for a little bit of time. Not when you're a super deep spiritual Christian. It's always one step in front of the other. Towards obedience. And so I'm gonna leave you with this question. What does your next step in obedience look like? What does your next step in obedience look like? Not what mine, not what's mine, or not what's you know, the person next to you, or or that person who you know is not living for Jesus, what does your next step in obedience look like? Right? We're not all called to be table eaters next week. But maybe for you, your next step is baptism. Maybe your next step is salvation, starting there. Maybe it's regular and consistent studying God's word or consistent prayer life. Maybe it's the next step for you is learning how to share the gospel, Maybe it's getting involved in a growth community or a table group. Maybe it's getting involved in a Sunday morning, showing up on a Sunday morning gathering. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's maybe moving from 101 to 201 or 201 to 301. Maybe it's trying to mentor someone. Those steps are unique because we're at different places in our spiritual walk and our recovery walk. But as we look at the word of God, the word of God will show us what our next step is. The Holy Spirit will act like a mirror and show us what our next step looks like. And so tonight, I want to encourage you, ask yourself that question. What does your next step in obedience look like? And tonight, if you want to pray with some leaders, or maybe you want to ask some questions with some table leaders, there's going to be table leaders down front as the band comes up and sings, and they will be more than willing to pray with you and go to God with you and ask him to help you see what your next step is. Maybe you have some questions about maybe what a next step looks like for you. They would be more than happy to sit and talk with you. I would be more than happy to sit and talk with you because... We see the importance of obedience. So let's take our next step. Let's pray. Lord, this evening, we're so thankful for the obedience of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that he lived in obedience, he lived perfectly. And that he was obedient even till his death on the cross and his resurrection. Lord, I pray that you help us to live in that obedience. Lord that you help us to live in that obedience, not disobedience. You would help us to pursue salvation, and that you'd help us to pursue repenting, turning away from all that we used to do and turning towards you. Lord, and I pray that you give us the motivation to keep taking steps. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room, maybe the ones who haven't started this journey, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would lay upon them the necessity of turning to Jesus Christ, the need that they have for a Savior. Lord, and I pray for maybe that person in this room who's been sitting in the same spiritual spot for far too long. Pray that you would lay your hand on them, push them, and strengthen them to take that next step in obedience. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to ask ourselves this question, what does our next step in obedience to you look like? That you would help us to analyze ourselves according to your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your precious name, Jesus' name, amen. Amen.